Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Praise God. Well, today is just a little bit different because I'm not going to preach today. I have a fantastic associate pastor that does all kinds of stuff. He does kids ministry. He does small group ministry. He does pick up the church ministry. He does all kinds of ministry around here. He plays bass. He does a lot of things. He plays drums sometimes. He is the ultimate utility player in our church. I'm just telling you. Pastor Chris does a fantastic job. And I'm so thankful that he and Kaylee are a part of our team. And I asked him, or I told he and Heather both, I said, look, you guys this summer are going to do some preaching for me. So I can just kind of catch my breath. And uh, I know that you guys hear me a lot, but I want you to hear our staff. Because they've got a call of God on their life. And they've got fire in their bones. And they need to release some of that. Amen. So I want you to welcome Pastor Chris as he comes and brings a word to us this morning. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. So glad I get to preach to you guys this morning. And uh, I, w- I was laughing, though, as I was getting ready and looking through the schedule of order of events and things. And I said, well, he's only going to give me about 30 minutes. But that's okay. That's all right. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So get out of the boat. I want you to turn to somebody and say, get out of the boat. I believe something is going to happen in your life today, and I want to talk to you on this topic, get out of the boat. So as we start this message, would you just pretend with me this morning that you are in a boat right now? Like, as you turn to your Bible, go ahead and get your Bibles out, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 5. But as you're doing that, I want you to imagine that you are in some sort of a fishing vessel. Picture all the sights hear all the sounds, smell all the smells of being out on the ocean water. Get all of that in your mind, the sea air, the fish, the wood, and the water. Get it all in your mind as we read about Peter in the context of how Jesus called him out of the boat. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, I've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. 
And so they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. In other words, Peter got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. Now, I love Peter, and we often, oftentimes we give Peter a bad rep. So this morning, I want to give Peter a good rep because I think there are some things, some important things that he did in his life. One thing most important in his life that he did often that none of the other disciples were willing to do, and that was to get out of the boat. And I want to pull from a couple of moments in Peter's life where he does just that. He gets out of the boat. And I wanted to illustrate this call that Jesus had on his life. Where I wanted to, to let you have that up front. I want you to tuck that away because we're going to come back to that call that Jesus has on Peter's life where he first got out of the boat and followed him. We're going to come back to that at the end. So I want you to kind of just have that in your mind, tuck it away for now. And we're going to come back to it as we look at a couple of other parts of Peter's life. Peter's a great dude. He really is. I mean, you know, he often gets this bad name, yeah. I mean, he does some crazy stuff. If you go through reading through Scripture, you'll find out that Peter just does some really, really crazy stuff. But when you really look at Peter, you begin to see that he has this character about him, this character that's actually one that's courageous and quick to action. Like, like he's the ready, aim, fire kind of guy, you know? Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I mean, he makes a good fullback, right? You just kind of put your head down and you go. Like, you don't ask any questions. You just do it. And that's what Peter was. He was just a quick-to-action, courageous guy. He was the one that was ready to just go and do it. I remember this one time in the middle of Jesus' ministry when Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter was the one that stepped up. He said, he said Lord, I think you're the Son of God. Yeah, that's right, Peter. Peter, the one who would deny Jesus later on in his life. He was the first one to step up and think, say, I think you're the Son of God. And yet, in, later in that part of Scripture, in that moment, Jesus uh, says, you know what, I'm going to be going to the cross. And Peter's like, wait, hold up, we don't talk about going to the cross around here. And he kind of like rebukes Jesus, but Jesus gives him this like, come to Jesus meeting. He's like, no, 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 we don't do that around here. You don't get to rebuke the Son of God. That's not how this works. There's this other time that Jesus asked his disciples, you guys remember this, he said, won't you pray with me all night? And as they were praying with him, they all fell asleep. And the soldiers came to arrest Jesus. You guys remember this part of the story? And when they woke up, Peter was the one who pulled out a fishing knife to go after the guys. Like, I I don't know what the deal was with Peter. I mean, he just wasn't a very organized guy. Like, the scripture actually says that there were two swords nearby. I don't know why he didn't grab a sword. But he just grabs his fishing knife, right? And he tries to, like, go after this dude, you know, and just gets a lobe. You guys remember that? He just tries to kill a dude and just gets an ear, right? And what happens next in in the story is something we're all most familiar with. It's when the soldiers and the crowd lead Jesus off and Peter is following at a distance. And along the way, the crowd and Jesus get together around a campfire. I don't know, maybe they're hungry, maybe they're cold, but they get around this campfire and it was at that moment when they're around this charcoal campfire that they begin to see who was with them in the crowd. And Peter was there. And there was this woman in there that began to recognize him and she said, I thought you were with Jesus. Aren't, aren't you one of those guys? He's like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not me. I don't know him. Yeah, yeah, you're, you sound like him. I'm sure that you were with him. He's like, no, 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 I don't know him. Yeah, yeah, I know that was you. No, I don't know him. Okay, all right. Well, I guess you don't know him. And the text not only says that, the, did, not only did the rooster crow that night, but in that moment, Jesus looks right at Peter as if it was a reminder of, I knew it would happen. And Peter, full of shame and full of doubt and full of uncertainty, he runs away and he cries. 
And people often use this story. They use Peter's story to talk about how their lack of faith and how when you have a lack of faith and what you should do when you have a lack of faith and how to respond in the midst of failure. And yeah, Peter did fail and he struggled at times. But I, what I love most about Peter is that Peter was willing to be the one to get out of the boat. He was always the one that was willing to take the next step. He was the courageous one. He was the quick to action guy. He was the one that was willing to go do it. And in Matthew chapter 14 is where I want to go to you for the first of just two points for today. Sorry, that's all you're getting. Just two points today. And that's okay. But turn to Matthew chapter 14. And I think that's okay that I'm only giving you two points because some of y'all can't remember a three-point sermon the day after it was preached. Don't throw anything at me. I'm just trying to get you to Matthew chapter 14, all right? Get you to Matthew chapter 14. As you turn there, I just want to say it's good to see my uh, my family in the house today. So taking up the entire back row. So it's good to see you guys. And uh, it's my father-in-law's boat up here on the on the stage. So he likes... He hasn't used it in a while, though, so I don't know. He's might, he might want to go out fishing again. But uh, Matthew chapter 14. Now, let me set the stage for you this because we're going we're gonna to jump in in the middle of the story. Matthew 14, verse 26, for my first part of my uh, message for you this morning. But let me set the stage for you because in, just before what we're about to read, Jesus had finished feeding the 5,000. He had supernaturally made provisions with five loaves of bread and two fish. And he sends the disciples away and he tells them, get on a boat and go to the other side of the sea. I'm going to catch up with you guys later. And so Jesus stays back and he prays. And in the middle of the night, when he's done praying, he begins to walk out towards them on the water. And actually, one part of the scripture says that he was intending to walk by them. And as he's walking out on the water, they've never seen anything like this before. The disciples have never seen anybody walk on water before. And as he's walking on the water, picking up in verse 26, it says this. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. So something is coming to them out on the water. They are afraid and they begin to cry out. And I think this is an important thing for us to know, that these men are out there in the middle of the night, in the middle of the sea, and they see something. Now, when men cry out, you know that they must really be scared because when you're out in the middle of the night with a bunch of your buddies, you ain't going to be the first one to cry out. (laughs) They cried out. They were afraid. But Jesus said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And fast talking, quick to action, Peter says this in verse 28. Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Peter got out of the water. In other words, Peter was willing to make a move. He was willing to make a move. And that's the first point I want you to get this morning as we think about Peter's life. He was willing to make a move. Out there in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm, things on circumstances going on all around him, he was the one that said, I'm going to get out of the boat. So that's my first point. And I hope this blesses somebody. I hope there's somebody in this room right now who's been waiting to hear this today. It's time to make a move. You've been going through some storms, storms that were never meant to limit you, but storms that were meant to legitimize you. Anybody can, you know, step out on a clear day, but God wants you to know that even in the midst of your storm, it's time to make a move. It takes a real believer to do that when the storms of life are present. But I'm here to tell you, it's time to make a move. Oh, but I have a lack of, I have a lack of, uh, of inexperience. Make a move anyway. 
I, I think there's too much risk involved. Make a move anyway. Well, maybe it's too late because for, for me and what God has called me to do. Make a move anyway. Jesus tells Peter, come, and Peter does it. Out there in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the night, Jesus says to Peter, come, and Peter gets down out of the boat, and he makes a move. And I love it. I love it. Peter did what all the other 11 jokers didn't want to do. He got out of the boat. He didn't slip out of the boat. He didn't get pushed out of the boat by the other disciples. He didn't, he didn't do any of that. He had to actually climb it. Like he had to go to the edge of the boat, put one foot over the other, put the other foot over the other, and actually put himself in a position to trust God. Hmm. I got to tell you something. I've read this story so many times in my life. Like pastor was talking about earlier, I lead children's church, right? And like this, this message illustrates itself. I've, I've heard this story so many times. I've been in ministry for over 20 years and I've heard this passage. And all this time when I've looked at this passage, I thought it was Jesus who was the one that told Peter to come out on the water. It wasn't. Peter going out on the water was Peter's idea. All Jesus did was say, come. It was Peter's idea to get out of the boat and make a move and get onto the water. All Jesus was said, I'll make it happen. I'll make it happen. You know, all too often we send out prayer requests and we, and God gives us a direction. He says, go do it. And we just sit around and wait in the boat. <laughs> God isn't going to give you all the details. Peter didn't give, get all the details. He didn't, you know, Jesus didn't say, Peter, Hey, uh, Peter, you got to, you know, kind of walk over to the edge of the boat. Peter, I want you to go ahead and put one foot over the rail. Okay, Peter, that's good. All right. Now just barely put it on the water. All right. Now take your other foot step over Peter. All right. Now you got to let go of the boat, Peter, and you got to walk out towards me. No, Peter, you didn't get any of the details. He's out there trans, you know, just out there, uh, just on the, you know, transcending the buoyancy uh, of water. And he's walking out towards Jesus and Jesus didn't get him any details, but he does it anyway. You know, when God doesn't give you the details, you just got to listen to the direction. Hmm. What are you afraid of? His word says he will supply all my needs. His word said he is a lamp unto my path. He's going to take care of everything around me. So what am I so afraid of? It's time to make a move. And often we want to focus on the fact that Peter walked on the water. And that's a great miracle moment in Peter's life. But before he could ever get to a place where the miracle would happen, he had to put himself in a position of trust. He had to be ready for it to take place. The miracle wasn't going to happen unless Peter first made a move. Hmm. I think somebody's been walking through 2023 thinking that, oh, maybe I want to, but you're still in the boat. Uh, maybe I will this time but you're still in the boat. Uh, I've been pondering and I've been wrestling with something that God has told me to do, but you're still in the boat. I'm here to tell you this morning, friends, God is telling you it's time to make a move. He may not give you all the details, but that's okay. It's time to make a move anyway. Peter got out of the boat in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the sea, the boat's getting tossed by the waves and he's being rocked side to side and the wind is howling at them. And there he is getting out of the boat. See, we have to be willing to trust God wherever we're at. No matter what the storms of life are throwing our way, no matter who's in the boat with me, I got to be willing to trust God anyways. I got to be ready and I got to be willing to make a move. Peter did what the other guys didn't want to do. And some of you you won't do it because you're afraid of what the other people say. You got other people in the boat with you and you're just like, well, I don't, I don't know if they're going to like what they see. I want to tell you this morning, and it's my second point for you today. It doesn't have to be pretty. 
It doesn't have to be pretty. I want to take you to another part of Peter's life that wasn't very pretty at all. And this was after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This is after Peter's world came crashing down all around him. And we found, he, where he found himself denying Jesus three times, he's full of shame and he's full of hurt and he doesn't know what to do. And it's found in John chapter 21, if you want to flip there in your Bible. John chapter 21 is where I want to take you for my second point. It doesn't have to be pretty this morning. Turn to somebody and say, it doesn't have to be pretty. The disciples were by the Sea of Tiberias, probably having just chatted about all that's taken place. I mean, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And here they are at the Sea of Tiberias. And in verse 3, Simon Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And the other disciples say, well, we'll go with you. And so they go out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. And early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was him. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And in verse 7, it says, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. He jumped into the sea. He just went in after Jesus. He went after him. He didn't care what it looked like. He didn't care what his friends were going to say. He didn't care what the circumstances were any longer. He was like, I see Jesus, and I'm going for him. But at the beginning of this part of the story in verse three, Simon said, I'm going, Simon Peter, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And scholars are kind of divided on this significance of this phrase. They, some of them think that, you know, they were just going out trying to make a little, little, little side money, trying to make a little cash, you know, but you got to understand this is Peter, Peter, who's a career fisherman said, I'm going fishing. Peter, a career fisherman, just like his father before him, right up to the moment where Jesus said, you know what, put down your nets and come and follow me. Peter, I have a whole new life for you. I have something better for you. Peter was all, let's go, up until the night that he betrayed Jesus. And so here Peter is at the point in this part of the story where he says, you know what, guys? I don't know how to deal with all that's going on. I denied Jesus, and he's dead, and he's gone, and I don't know how to deal with it. So I'm just going to go do what I know. I'm going to go fishing. There was another guy that I that had a similar story. I don't know if you guys remember, Michael Jordan had a press conference after that little like unfortunate side thing that he tried to do with baseball. He had a little press conference, right? And he said the exact same phrase. He said to the to the to the reporters, he said, I'm going to play basketball. No one asked him at the press conference, like, what do you mean, Mike? Like, are you going to play basketball with your kids out in the driveway? Like, no, no, this was a career move for Michael Jordan. He understood baseball is not the thing for me. I'm going to play basketball. And Peter's here, he's this career fisherman, and he's like, you know what? I don't know what else to do, so I'm just going to go do what I know how to do well, and I'm going to go fish. And I think what Peter does here, I think he does what a lot of us do, and he just goes to work and he gets busy. I know a lot of people who just wall out the shame of the bad choices in their life or the tragic, the tragic things that have happened to them with just busyness and distractions. They just sort of pinball between busyness and distractions. Like, like, let me just get into something I can win at. And when work doesn't work for me any longer, I'm just going to find some sort of distraction. We just pinball between busyness and distraction. 
And Peter at this moment says, you know what, man? I, I don't know how to deal with all this, so I'm just going to go fishing. I'm just going to go to work. Let me take a step away from God and what he wants to do in my life. And it says it in the same text that the other disciples were like, all right, we'll go with you. I didn't know Peter was an influencer, did you? Like if Peter had TikTok and, you know, Snapchat and Insta, like he, you guys would all be following all of his faith fails. Like he would be all over the place because you just love everything, every part about it. He's an influencer and you are too, by the way. We all influence people, every single one of us. And I think we need to think about that for a minute because you better be careful when you decide to step aside from what God has called you to do because there's people watching you. Cousins, nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, uh, neighbors, co-workers, they're all watching how you're going to respond in the midst of life's failures. So you got to be careful. But Peter said, you know what, I'm going to go fishing. And I love what it says. They got in the boat, and the text says that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing. That's God's doing right there. That's God in love jacking with his kids because <laughs> that's what he does sometimes he just likes to mess with us what's he just gonna do let them go no like he's just gonna let the disciples go no like what's he gonna do just let you go no those people who are made in his image he's just gonna let you go off no he wants you to know that he's coming for you and the way that he often does that is he complicates things and what i love is in verse four it says that as dawn was breaking jesus stood on the shore and the disciples did not know that it was him why did they not know it was him? I don't know, because the scripture says that they were just a mere 100 yards off. Like if you're on a football field, you can see people on the other end and recognize who they are. These were the people who were with Jesus for like over three years of their life. And here he is standing on the shore and they're rowing back to shore after catching nothing. And they don't know who it is. I think Jesus just likes to mess with us sometimes. And when he does, it's a good indication that he's doing something in our life, that he's stirring something up. We see it often in scripture. I remember this one time where Mary goes to anoint the body of Jesus after he had passed away. And he goes to the, she goes to the tomb and she gets to the tomb and the stones rolled away. And she's looking in and she's like, Jesus is not there. And she begins crying. And, and while she's crying, Jesus shows up on the scene and she's like, hey, and Jesus is like, hey, why are you crying? Like, he doesn't know why she's crying, right? And so she's, you know, saying, uh, well, I'm looking for someone. He's like, who are you looking for? Like, he doesn't know who's he, who she's looking for, right? And she's like, she begins to tell him who she's looking for. And she said, I, I, and the scripture records I th- that she thought Jesus was the gardener. Why did she think he was a gardener? Like, I tell you what he wasn't doing. He wasn't over there, like, floating around and glowing, you know? And, like, she's like, oh, I guess gardeners just float and glow around here, right? No, I think he was, like, over there just, like, tending to the bushes, right? And he just kind of let it ride for a little bit. And he's like, no, I'm just kidding, Mary. It's me. (laughs) It's me. Like, then there was this other time in the book of Luke where two disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, something like seven miles. You guys remember this story? Jesus shows up on the scene. He's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? They don't know who he is. They don't recognize him. They were kept from recognizing him. He just walks along with them for like almost seven miles. And they begin to tell him about what, what happened. They're like, you don't know what happened in Jerusalem? And he's like, no, why don't you tell me about it, right? And he, and he begins to ask him, like, isn't this to fulfill scripture? And he begins to unpack it for him, right? And so they get to where they're going, and Jesus acts like he's going to walk past him. He's like, all right, cats, I guess I'll see you all later. And they're like, hey, um, do you, you want to come eat dinner with us? And he's like, well, I guess, 
right? And he just goes to the house, right? And I love it because in the moment uh, he sits down with him and it's not until the moment where he begins to break bread that he's like, hey guys, guess what? It's me. And then like that, he's gone. He disappears. And he just loves messing with people. It's so good. Like go read it in the text. In fact, what happens next is like they run back to Jerusalem. They go to the upper room to tell the disciples like, hey, hey, Jesus is alive. Like we just saw him. He walked with us on the road to Emmaus. And like we didn't know it was him. And that was kind of weird. I don't know why he didn't tell us it was him. But we, we found out that it was him. And then he disappeared. And now he's here. And then like while he, they were telling the others about that Jesus was there, Jesus appears in their midst. And he's like, peace be with you. And they freak out. They get scared. Because he didn't come through like a door or a window. He just appeared in their midst. And it's so crazy because like you can't make this stuff up. Jesus is, just appears in their midst. He's like, peace be with you. And he's like, you guys got any fish? You can't make it. This is what scholars call an internal proof in the Bible because it's something so crazy that like you just don't make it up. Like Jesus poofs, appears on the scene. He's like, is that salmon? Can I get in on that? Who would write something like that? Jesus just enjoys messing with us sometimes. And when he does, it's a good indication that he's coming for you. He wants you to know I'm working in your life. He wants you to know I'm stirring something up. He wants you to know I'm about to do something, so get ready. So Jesus rolls up on the scene at the shore, and he complicates things for Peter and the others. But he has a reason behind it all. He calls out to them from the shore, and he says, I love the way he says it. He says, you don't have any fish, do you? Come on, Jesus. Like, he, he just, he loves messing with people. He's like, and so they say no. And he's like, well, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And they cast the net out and they begin to haul in all this fish and they begin to haul it all in. And I know you're thinking of this and you're like, wait a second, Pastor Chris, isn't this the same story that you just told us at the beginning? No. And yes, because this is the second time this miracle takes place. See, Jesus did this miracle at the beginning of his ministry when he first called Peter to get out of the boat. He said, cast your net on the other side. And they did. And they caught so much fish that they couldn't haul it in. And then now here we are in the part of Peter's story where he has denied Jesus. Jesus is dead. And all of a sudden now he's on the shore and he says, hey, cast your net on the other side. And he casts his net on the other side and he has so much fish that he can't haul it in. Jesus is recreating the miracle. And it sends a message to Jesus. I'm coming for you. Here's what happened on the boat. The first time that Peter was called, when he realized that God was on the boat with him, he got down on his knees and he said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Get away from me. And Jesus looked right at Peter and he said, no, 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 no. you don't understand. I'm coming for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And it's in this part of the story. Jesus is off on the shore and he's calling out to Peter again and he wants Peter to know, Peter, I'm here. I came for you. I'm here for you, Peter. I'm here for you. Don't miss this because in this part of Peter's life, Peter, who, who got out of the boat, he had the faith to trust in Jesus to get out of the boat and to walk on the water, but was the same Peter who saw his world collapse and fall down all around him when he denied Jesus. He now finds himself in a moment when Jesus recreates the miracle and it sends a message to Peter. The relationship is still open. I'm creating this moment of connection again to let you know, Peter, you're not too far gone. 
And I'm here to tell you today, church, Jesus wants you to know you're not too far gone. He wants you to know he's coming for you. And what I love about the way scripture puts it, and it's the context of this point that I'm trying to drive home for you this this morning. In verse 7, when Peter realized that it was the Lord, he said, it is the Lord. And he wrapped his garments around him and he jumped into the water. Peter does something that I'm hoping many of you will do today. He stops running from God and he starts moving towards him. He starts moving toward Jesus. The text says that when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he jumped into the water. He didn't care if it was pretty. He didn't care what the other people on the boat were going to think. He said, I'm going to do it anyway because I see Jesus right there and I'm just going to go for it. I don't care what distractions are in my way. I'm going to jump in the water and I'm going for it. And he dove in the water. He threw himself into the sea. And you know what's true is life is a mess sometimes, but oftentimes when life is a mess is when the miracles happen the most. I want to close with this and pastor, if you want to come and play for me, that'd be great. I want to close with this because we can't deny the fact that in this story, it wasn't necessary for Peter to get off the boat. If you read it, it says that they were about a hundred yards from shore, about a hundred yards from shore. So literally they could have just rode like three times and been there. But Peter sees Jesus and he decides, you know what? I don't care what the world around me has decided. I don't care what the world around me is saying. I'm going after him. And he jumps in the water and it doesn't look pretty. And he's probably flailing and swimming to the shore. And the other people on the boat are just like, y'all see Peter? (laughs) A crazy guy. Just let him be. Just let him go. Just let him go. It's okay. I'm jumping in. I'm going in after him. He's right there. And I want you to know this morning, Jesus is right here. Even in the moments of our greatest fear, Jesus is right here. Even in the moments of uncertainty, Jesus is right here. Even in when it seems like the storms of life are crashing all the way around us, Jesus is here. I don't know the rules here, Jesus. I don't know what to say, Jesus. I don't know what to do, Jesus. I've tried and I've failed. But what I want you to know here this morning, church, is Jesus is saying, I am here. Come. Here's what I'm, what my call is. It's real simple this morning. It's what Jesus said. Just come. Just come. And here in a moment, you're going to have the opportunity to come to the altar. To come to Jesus. He's here. And he wants you to know you're not too far gone. You haven't messed up enough that he can't redeem you. He still loves you. But you got to be willing to make a move this morning you got to be willing to get off the boat this morning. He's saying to you, your miracle is ready to happen, but you got to be willing to make a move. And he wants you to know this morning that when you do make a move, it might not look pretty. I remember many times growing up in church where we had, we were crying around the altar and we were sobbing and weeping and we left, you know, probably cry stains and snot stains all over the carpet. And that's okay. It doesn't have to look pretty this morning. You just got to come. 
you got to be willing to make a move. But what I want you to know, as you get ready to do that, when you get here, he also wants you to know that there's something you got to deal with. I love what verse 15 says, because actually, let me back up a little, because I think there's something actually a little important that we need to hear. At the beginning of the call, uh, no, when, when, when Peter denied Jesus, he stopped around, he was around a charcoal fire is what the Bible says. Now I only found two places in the Bible that I could find that the word charcoal fire is specifically used. It happened right then when Peter denied Jesus around that fire. And then guess what? It happened again that morning when Jesus was on the shore and he said, come have breakfast with me. The Bible says it was a charcoal fire. I think that's important. And here's why. Because I think Jesus is creating a moment of dislocation for Peter. Because you remember what happened the first time that Peter was around the fire. Jesus was there and he was being hauled off by all the people. And they asked him, don't you know him? And he said, no, I don't know him. Yeah, yeah, don't you know him? He said, no, I don't, I don't know Jesus. Yeah, don't you know him? And he said for a third time, he denied knowing Jesus. In the moment of his greatest failure, that was Peter's greatest failure, denying Jesus. Yet here we are now in his story in John chapter 21, and he finds himself around a charcoal fire again. And after having breakfast, Jesus says to him, Simon Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, you know I do. And Jesus says, well, go feed my sheep. And Jesus says again, a second time, Peter, Simon Peter, do you love me? And he says, you know I do, Lord. And Jesus says, well, go feed my sheep. And then Jesus says a third time, Simon Peter, do you love me? And Peter finds himself frustrated because Jesus is asking him a third time. And he's like, Peter, or Jesus, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, go feed my sheep. And you know what I used to think? I used to think that this was just Jesus rubbing it in Peter's face. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Well, it didn't look like it a few nights ago when you denied me around Peter, do you love me? Yeah, you know I love you. Yeah, well, it didn't look like it the other day. And that's sometimes how we feel, isn't it? We think God is asking us, do you love me? And we're like, yeah, but and we think he's condemning us. But that's not what Jesus does at all. I think what Jesus is doing is he's creating that dislocation for him. Because if he doesn't do this three times, if he doesn't say, Peter, do you love me three times? He wouldn't be disconnected from the three times that he denied Jesus. So Jesus has to set up a moment of dislocation for him. A moment where uh, where Peter gets around the campfire again and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he creates that moment again for him so that when Peter hears a rooster crow, he doesn't think, oh, uh, I'm that shameful guy. I'm the one that denied Jesus. No, he hears what Jesus is saying, that Jesus is saying, you know what? I don't look to your past. I look to your future. And I don't want you to be determined what the things have happened in your past. I don't want those to determine what your future looks like. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to come in just a moment. And you got to realize though, this morning, God's going to recreate a moment in your life. He wants to do something in you. He wants to work on something with you. And I want you to know this morning that he wants to take you to that place, not to relive the pain, but to relieve it. And for some of you, he wants you to take you to that place because he's not dismissing the sin. He wants you to know that he's paid for that sin. I don't know how far you've gone. 
Maybe that you were growing up and you had great faith and you just kind of derailed a long time ago. Maybe it's just been a really hard week. Maybe that God told you to move on something and you've just been sitting in the boat waiting for some direction, but he gave you the direction. You just haven't been moving on it. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you've just been feeling shame in your life. Whatever it is for you, I don't know. But what I do want you to know, and I came to tell you this morning, it's time to make a move. So I want everyone to stand with me this morning. And I want to ask you to come. I'm just going to do this. I want everybody close your close your eyes and let's just bow our head. Let's just get in an atmosphere of God's presence here this morning. And if you need to come this morning, Jesus has already made the call. He said, come. So when you're ready, you just step out and you come to this altar and you just begin to come. And it may not look pretty and that's okay. If you need to cry out, that's all right. If you need to walk back and forth just to get into his presence, that's okay. If you need to kneel down at the altar in his presence, that's okay. If you need to cry out, Lord, I'm not a good person, that's all right. It doesn't have to be pretty, but make a move. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.